and welcome to Fintech Insider Insights. I'm David Breer, Group CEO here at 11FS. In today's episode, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. Following our How Not to Build a Bank double episode last month, this week we want to talk about how a real-life bank should be built. And that bank is Millibank, a mobile bank from First National Bank of Omaha. A few years back, 11FS had the privilege of being involved in the process of bringing this to market. So in today's show, we want to take you on a bit of a journey about how Millibank was brought to life from concept to launch and beyond with the people who were there and really made it happen. But first, a few brief messages. Don't go anywhere. Fintech Insider community, we need your help. The 11FS Awards returns on Wednesday, 15th of November, and we will be celebrating the people and businesses from across the globe who are helping to move the industry forward. This is where you come in. Do not miss your chance to influence who takes home an 11FS Awards trophy, whether they're trying to make the world a better place for their customers, changing the game for businesses, or utilizing AI to improve their customer experience. We want you to tell us who is building the best stuff. Submit your nominations right now at 11fsawards.com. That's 11fsawards.com. Let's get started. As always, I'm joined by a panel of outstanding guests. First off, it's great to be joined again by 11FS Deputy CEO, Mr. Jason Bates. How's it going, Jay? Good. How are you? All right. Busy week. Busy week. I mean, you've been uh, uh, rather busy as well. But for for anybody who can't remember, because it's been a while since you've been on the podcast, what do you do? Well, I uh, co-founded Starling and Monzo way back in the day. Uh, Chief Customer Officer led a product and proposition and have basically spent the last few years doing a similar thing, going around working with big banks, incumbents, all kinds of financial services player pretty much around the world, uh, launching new products and propositions. Very good, very good. Busy boy, busy boy. It's nice nice to have you back anyway. Uh, and we also a welcome return to Fintech Insider for Adrian Orpazea. Adrian, I've ne- I realize I've never said your surname out loud, but... Yeah, that's that's probably uh, uh, why you've never said it out loud. It's Orpiza. <laughs> Oh, man, I was so close. And you're the head of products at Millibank. Um, for anybody who doesn't know a bit about your background, do you want to give a, a little bit about your background? I know we're going to get into Millibank a little bit more detail, so don't give away too many of the uh, the stories and the surprises there. But um, what should our listeners know about you? Yeah, no, uh, thanks for having us on on the call today. So my name is Asian Arpiza. Uh, I am head of product at Millie, and I started my fintech journey circa, oh, probably 2002. Uh, joined a large, uh, at the time it was a small fintech called PayPal, uh, and did a lot of product work there on the global side of it, uh, running their reporting systems, what was their insights world, and I was on their innovation team for a while. Did that for a long time, then joined uh, First National Bank of Omaha about... Uh, eight years ago, where it led us to this journey with you guys. Very, very cool. Uh, yeah, I love a tiny little startup like PayPal. Yeah, it's uh, it's a good place to um, really learn a lot of different things, isn't it? As those organizations scale, and we'll we'll get onto that in a little bit more as well. Uh, and finally, it is a fintech insider debut for Bethany Wilson, who is the head of marketing at Millibank. Welcome to the podcast, Bethany. How are you doing? Thanks. Uh, great to be here. Great to have the opportunity to chat with all of you um, and share the story of Millie a little bit further. 
Very cool. And and tell us a little bit more about your your background. What were you doing before uh, being part of Millibank? Absolutely. Um, I've been a part of the financial services industry for, gosh, a handful of years. So since 2013, uh, joined the Millie team in 2021. So just shy of two years. Uh, but before that, I've been a part of First National Bank of Omaha, um, just shy of six. So it's been a really fun, fun journey to be a part of both worlds. Fantastic. Well, we'll explore that a little bit more as, as we go, because I mean, being head of marketing, being head of products means very different things in different organizations. And I mean, you wear a lot of different hats between the two of you in terms of getting things off the ground. And then as the different stages of scaling happens, it's a really interesting one to, to get into. But maybe if we, we start off, we want to maybe explain a little bit about what Millibank is and, and what it does and, and really how it came about in the first place. So maybe putting really the into context the the relationship for anybody knows doesn't know um, from an international perspective first national bank of omaha as well i mean adrian maybe do you want to get us going with with that i mean what is a milli yeah no what is a milli so uh you know probably start like you said who who our parent company is so first national bank of omaha is uh in omaha nebraska which if you're not familiar with the united states it's dead smack in the middle of the country um it's uh negative 10 degrees in the wintertime and it's 110 degrees in the summertime. Um, it's a great place to be, but uh, we get all the extremes. And I think First National of Omaha is, is a good example of it's the largest privately owned bank in the country or pretty close to it still. Um, it has a very large uh, credit card portfolio with a lot of partner brands. So we are, have a very um, national presence in the United States um, and compete with your cap ones of the world and, and your larger credit card issues that you might you know, recognize at, at the international level. But we also have a, a regional, you know, a semi-regional you know, footprint uh, for our customers as well. So we play a lot of hats at First National. And so when I joined the company, Seven years ago, I joined as a digital strategist with the digital strategists, uh, you know, for the bank and worked with our peers to understand what what does First National need to do to be able to compete in a digital world, right? And we were still using the words like digital and being digital. And and I know you guys have a lot of great PowerPoint slides that we talked about going from analog to digital, right? And, and we really fit right in that space where, you know, we have a retail customer base that walks into our branches and has really great personal relationships. But we also know that our customers want to to bank differently. So, so that's where I joined First National Bank and, and really drove some of the strategic goals there. Uh, that led me into to uh, a new role, which was at the time, and again, I think we all have to go back five, six years now, right? And it's a, it's a time machine where innovation and disruption was a, a very topic, a high topic thing where companies and banks all felt like they had to be innovative. And that's no different for us. So I worked with our team uh, to build our kind of innovation and disruption team. I always like to call it really just a new product team, right? Let's go find out what new products that we have to build for our customers. Uh, and that led me to uh, where we are today with Ismili, is I got the bug to go build things again. Um, I have a great partner, uh, Mark, who is our, our CEO of, of Milli, and me and him really thought that with the resources at First National Bank, with the unique ownership and support that our leaders were going to give us, that we could actually create a brand new bank that would support our parent company as we decided we wanted to move beyond our regional footprint. And, and this would be a way to do it without, um, as we talk about it, starting from scratch. And I think that's what we'll talk about today is what does it really mean to start from scratch in a company that's 165 years old? And what does that journey look like? So that's the short version of it. I mean, that's a that's a 
I mean, fa- whistle-stop tour of the last uh, five and a half years of your life. Uh, um, and, and actually, uh, I mean, that's an interesting challenge, but a challenge that so many different organizations face. I mean, you talk about, you know, a, a hundred-year-plus uh, organization. I mean, the, the the challenges that you face into when it comes to, you know, cultural shifts, technology shift, aspiration, and you know, heritage of actually what's made organizations successful to get to that point. I mean, all of this starts with so many organizations can spend a lot of time looking inside and, you know, what could we do better? But, I mean, Bethany, the the, the problem you're trying to solve in the first place is a, is a much better place to start, isn't it? You know, we all sort of say customers actually have to care about this thing. So so what what gap are you really trying to, to solve with what the things that you're doing with Millibank? Yeah, honestly, as we probably all know, uh, finances are a really personal and emotive thing. Um, so a lot of the research that the team has done, um, just making sure that they conducted and looked into what was the driver for individuals' relationships with their banks and what did they feel missing, really tied into the basics, um, really tied into leaning into the fact that folks really felt that they had a gap on actually achieving financial freedom or feeling secure about their personal finances. So with the direction of Millie and where we ended up leaning in was really trying to provide the opportunity for our customers to actually survive in this and thrive in their financial goals. So trying to make sure that we bridge that gap for people and their savings goals as well as their financial journey. So they felt that they had the right momentum and right footprint in order to succeed rather than right sitting in an environment in which they're in a debt environment or they feel they don't have the banking support or resources or solutions to get them out ahead and actually uh, actually make a difference in their day-to-day lives. Yeah. And that's a I mean that's an interesting one because it's I, I don't think you mentioned I don't think you mentioned a product in there at all. And it's not really about that, is it? As in, you know, it's not about one specific financial instrument. It's about kind of what it does for customers in that way, isn't it? But Although, uh, although I'm sure there's a banker listening at the moment with their headphones on, throwing things at the uh, at the laptop going, yeah, yeah, but what does that mean? Like, what what does Millie actually offer? How do I fit this into my little product grid? Maybe you could you could talk to that. Absolutely. I was going to say, Adrian, product-wise, what would you like to highlight for this? And I'll dive in from where we position this for our customers. No, I, I think Bethany and I probably have uh, at least one conversation a week or two conversations a week. So what should we name these things so they fit into, I think, what Jason, you were talking about, that grid. Uh, you know, we probably are really hard challenged as, as Bethany looks at how people talk about us because we're, we're kind of out now out in the world a little bit. It's they all struggle on what we are, right? So, uh, you know, Jason was here kind of when we did this. We we built a spending product and um, a savings product and a jar to fundamentally give something to our customers. But what our goal is, is to say, what do you care about the most? So, you know, um, it's hard because we're trying to break the mold of what traditional products look like. And when customers come to us, they're coming to us to solve a problem or, or, or you know, we'll talk about it later, what that job to be done is help brittle emergency fund. And we're doing, I'm doing my best to not just break down and say, you know what, just call it a savings account because it's easier for us to talk about it. Because what it does is it helps us truly understand what we're trying to do. And I think taking this approach is the, why Millie was started is, um, we are trying to build a financial, I'll call it a financial tool or financial system that just happens to have traditional banking products in it to help people save, you know, and do what they want to do. And we're starting that journey with helping people save for the things that matter most to us, uh, or most to them, really. 
um, and really start with that lens. And it doesn't look like traditional products and it shouldn't because I think those are the products that are failing or have been failing customers for a long time and what Millie's trying to do differently. So it is a struggle because customers need to understand and Bethany does a great job of explaining what customers, to customers, what we're trying to solve for and allowing them to kind of put it into that right box. Um, but it also means a lot of conversations internally with our peers and ourselves saying, what are we building? And let's not get into the trap of just building the next better checking account or the next better savings product. Because I think there's a lot of opportunity to just build new financial products that help customers. And that's what we're trying to learn. And we're, honestly, we're learning day by day about what we get right and get wrong every day. That's that's super interesting. I mean, it, it gets you down to a the combination of those capabilities as well. You know, the the benefit of having a an Apple Mac and a phone and a watch and a, you know, AirPods all together, the that sort of one plus one equals five, you know, benefit in terms of what it really does for the for the consumer. I I mean I, I guess going back to the and we'll talk a little bit more about the the products, you know, the the services are around that in terms of what it what it offers. But but what was really sort of like the the catalyst for for doing it in this way? I mean you you highlighted earlier on Adrian, you know, uh, FMB you're a uh, more than 165 years old organization. Uh, you kind of got a bank already, right? You know, so so what was the what was the driver for doing it in this way in terms of the the greenfield nature of it and the new brands that went around it? What what was the driver? Yeah, no, I, I think it's that old uh, you know old product hat, right? We all talk about incremental development. So Mark and I, you know, sat we sat you know it's funny. So me and him had offices. It's the first time in my career I've ever had an office you know, the glass walls and the doors and everything. And I felt actually very uncomfortable in that office. So I had a team, they were only about 20 feet away from me. Um, that was really too far for me because I've always, you know, never, I, I didn't even had a desk, right? Uh, I, I just sat at a place and used my laptop. So that office made me really claustrophobic and that made me get up a lot and talk to the guy next to me, which was Mark, um, who was running our, at the time, digital bank. So we have, First National still does today have a, what we, you know, traditionally call a online only bank product that we could totally invest in. And at the time, Mark was saying, hey, you know, I, I'm running this digital bank and it's it's a great opportunity and I can see this great opportunity for us to grow with it. But it's all built by third party vendors. We don't have a lot of control of the experience. It, it's how all banks kind of built, you know, some of these these things early. Um, it worked for its purpose uh, for our customers, but it was really hard to add more value to our customers and it was really expensive because of the, you know, the different ways we built it and ownership and how long it takes to even, you know, get something out the door. So Mark and I talked for a couple, you know, months really. And we said, we both think that this company uh, with the support from our founders and our leaders, that we have an opportunity to start something. We have the value. We just need a, you know, a better way of doing it or a different way of doing it. It's probably a better way of saying that. So we and him said, how would we do it if they would let us do it any way we wanted to do it? And that's where I think it led us to you guys and led us to this larger thing, which is if we started completely from scratch, not only with how the products look and what the products do for customers, how we build it from the technology stack and just the way technology works and how can we use technology to go faster, more efficient, those type of things. Uh, I think we learned quickly, it's not cheaper. It's just more efficient, right? Well, you can put it that way, but it's really expensive to start it. And so we never really said, hey, this is going to be cheaper than doing it anyway else. But we did say it's going to be more efficient and we're going to be able to launch things faster, we believe. And then the last piece, which I think is the most important part is when Mark and Sai is like, we can't incrementally make it better. I said, what does it look like? Or we said, what does it look like if we just built this five years into the future? 
And when we did our research, what I believed at the time, and I still think it's true, is the UK or the, the, the UK market, specifically around London, was building products that I think would have been five years in the US into the future. How Monza, Starling, you know, kind of circles right back to how do we get to Jason is the way they were thinking about mobile only, app only, the way products were designed, the way they communicated with their customers. It, it wasn't going to be a exact copy for what the US needed because our markets are very, very different. I think there's some news lately about customers finding out that Financial products in the U.S. work very differently than the financial products in the U.K., and that will catch you if you don't pay attention. But I thought the the essence of it was truly correct. So that's what led us to you guys and, and, and a company that we found that I thought had the right values for us and the right team to help us build something that would ultimately be a future product in the U.S. And I think that's what we have today, which is Millie, which is if you look at it, it looks like it has been built five years in the future compared to our competitors out in the world. Which fits in exactly with um uh, uh, with how we've approached it over the last however many years you know that that move from analog to digitized to digital that you referred to having an online only bank is digitizing the forms that were in the standard branch and that's great it cuts costs out of the business it makes it a marginally better product uh, and a customer experience but it's not the the kind of step beyond which we talk about you know intelligent services that ultimately there's a new services layer that sits on the top of all of those financial products which is what customers have to do day to day you know you can launch a new checking account or are you using that checking account for? Are you using it as a discretionary spending uh, pot? Are you using it to, as an emergency fund? Are you using it you know, to put money for your savings in the future or to pay your bills from? And those, those needs, those products, I guess, with purpose, I think is where digital gets really interesting, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know, we'll talk about it later in the call. And I think Bethany is the one that has to uh, deal with my uh, craziness when we think about building these new products that are new to the U.S. market and how does she promote them and how does she in in a quick way explain them. But yeah, that's what we we are working now. And then we know we're still learning about how to communicate to our customers. But a good example is, you know, we have a product that we call jars. And for the U.S. market, it replaces both checking accounts and savings accounts because it is a purpose thing that says, we don't care why you want to save money into your jar. Some of it is for budgeting. Some of it is for your vacation. Um, but we built a product that doesn't make you have to pick one or the other. We pick something in the middle that allows you to set up payments from it, set up debits from it, uh, save short term, and 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 with very little effort. Once that 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 um, goal is completed, you can close it. That's a huge thing, right? If you do that today in another product, uh, you have to call and actually close the account. And it's this very long and tedious official process. Um, we're here. It's super easy. You can open it up, have it for five weeks, close it, and we move on without very, very little effort. A little friction like that, that creates a customer, really creates them to really focus on their goals versus building off a spreadsheet which is what we hear our customers do all the time. Little things like that is how we think about our products, but it is a challenge for us to introduce these new things to the US market and US customers that have really never experienced it in that much fluidity of how their banking product should work because they've never had that much um, access and, and you know control over how their money is managed and, and worked. And that's been the challenge I think that you know we've had over the last year is introducing this product to the world and explaining what it is and what it's not. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting challenge, isn't it? That balance, as you say, of, you know, this we know this is great for consumers, but actually getting consumers to really let go of even if it's not great the the traditional ways of doing those things is is an interesting challenge, isn't it, Bethany? It is, yeah. And to complement that too, the most exciting thing I think about jars is all of us as consumers, right, are very familiar with behavioral science. We're very familiar with hey, like 
what's a SMART goal? How do we dive in? How do we actually lead into this? The thing that I've always been impressed with is the fact that we look at those type of needs and wants and gaps. And although we see that approach applied, let's say in our day-to-day jobs, right? Everybody says, make a SMART goal in order to make sure that you hit the next promotion or the next job opportunity. We've actually turned that into a really material and measurable thing um, in your thinking app. And I think that's a really big differentiator for the fact that we're really aware of what those behaviors are, what those customers' needs are, what they may be familiar with, and actually applying it in a way that they get to see something happen in real time in front of them in a way that actually benefits them for the long haul. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting one, isn't it? When um, when you started talking about, well, I mean, the, it's the process that gets you to an outcome, isn't it? And actually, I mean, if you want to achieve a different outcome, you've got to approach it in a very different way in order to get to that. And maybe if we talk about that a little bit about how did you get Millie off the ground then? Because, I mean, obviously in, in creating the organization, you uh, we know you took a, a jobs to be done approach, which, I mean, is quite different in terms of the uh, the ways of thinking, you know, the sort of, this isn't a project that ends, this is the establishment of a business in a new way. I, I mean, do you want to talk to that a little bit? Because to your point, Bethany, the the real job underpinning uh, the customer's problems is much more significant. I always say nobody wakes up and goes, I really I really want to do some payments today. Like, I, I can't wait to make a payment. Nobody does that. You know what I mean? Not even us and we're like banking geeks type thing. But, but really getting to grips with those customer jobs is critical, isn't it? It is, yeah. Um, I think all of us sitting here today and anybody listening in can understand and appreciate the fact that it's just an insatiable curiosity you have to have and being willing to constantly be proven wrong. If you look at the banking industry as a whole, right, it's done a phenomenal job establishing an extremely strong foundation. Uh, But in light of all of the macro and micro situations that have happened, there's a whole host of things that we have to constantly reevaluate ourselves to go, are we actually supporting and meeting the needs in today's environment for our customer, in addition to forecasting what may be coming three, five, 10 years down the line. A lot of that comes into play with the customer research foundation that is built to help jobs to be done um, in order to make sure that we're not only reaching out and understanding what the customers are thinking about, but also being highly aware of what the environment is bringing and what may be coming down the line that they may have to be reactionary to that hopefully we can guide and coerce and finesse in order to get um, a product in front of customers ahead of a need or a want that they may think. I think the most interesting thing in this entire process with talking to customers on a regular basis to help shape the approach that we take with jobs to be done is in many times, it's really kind of peeling back that onion. Um, What a customer says they may want or they may need. If you ask that third question or fourth question, it starts to reveal the actual anticipation or desire or behavior they're expecting that just exactly like you highlighted before. Hey, yeah, I'd really like to make a bill payment on a recurring basis two times a month. 
And when you start asking the real reason as to why, it gives you that better shape ahead on what solution you can help meet the customer with, rather than just fitting into current state every day, what we're familiar with on a day-to-day basis. Well, and as you said, Adrian, earlier on, I mean, you you realize actually who your real competitors are, you know, and it's uh, it's not necessarily another organization. It might be a scrappy bit of paper or a spreadsheet, right? Yeah, uh, like I said, uh, for I think Jason and we, you know, we were probably sitting in the room together and we talked about this after doing a lot of our research with um, with the team. It's Excel is my biggest competitor, right? Because the way they use their banking today, it's like I have one checking account or one savings account or maybe 15, right? Depending on how they do it. But ultimately that is not managed in their banking app. That is managed in a spreadsheet or a a data aggregator or something. And so for me is if I can have a customer that uses Millie and after a year says, I haven't looked at my spreadsheet for a month because I'm managing all of my financial needs and goals and, 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 and things within Millie then we're probably succeeding. And it kind of goes back to our roots, right? So when we started Millie with you guys and we joined and we had the kind of the, the kickoff and we talked about how we would do this. First off, we were super lucky. We had an amazing, and we still do to this day, have an amazing support support at the top of the house. Our leaders are probably, um, I joke, they, they talk to us every day. That's sometimes good and bad, um, but they do it in a way because they're so uh, supportive of what we're doing, right? So we've had many conversations with them. They're very intrigued, but they also let us do this new way of building stuff for us, right? So, you know, from day one, it was, let's create a small little team. I know, David, you talk a lot about, you know, small team sports. We, I mean, I think we are, we're the poster child of like, it was just Mark and I for a long time. And to the credit of our, our teams, as we work together, um, I think the thing that I would tell anybody that's thinking about working with 11FS, which is me, is like, I've never at any point felt like you guys were our uh, vendor and we were your, I don't know, you know, the, the, the other side of the house of that. It's hard for me to even talk about it because for five years, we've just been one big team. Um, but we had one group and we all built it together, right? Mark and I were there every day. We were in our you know, if you're in, in development, we were in the standups and we were working through and, you know, so you have a vice president and, you know, this senior leadership team working with your team daily to build Millie. And I think that's what made us successful to this point to be around, you know, later. And our leadership was super supportive, but very, in a good way, hands off, right? They let us do these things and they, even if it was different in a model of how we were building, right, you know, uh, to this day, we don't do roadmaps, right? Not not in the traditional way, right? They trust us enough to not make me give them an 18-month plan and where we're going to do and what we're going to build. You know, we work off six-week cycles now. Um, I think that we know enough to plan out our next six weeks. Um, that's for the team to execute and move forward as we learn everything that's going on with a, a company that's growing at hundreds of percents now. You know, we're, we're growing, um, you know, at quite a bit at a quite a bit rate, which has its own challenges. But the team supports us that we don't need to see that bigger vision to know what's going to happen and what to do, which is a good thing. And a lot of my peers, probably in other banks, don't have that opportunity. They need to do their quarterly 12-month planning. That's not to say we don't have a vision. It's just that our team focuses on what we need to do right now. And I think that's the difference between a fast-paced company that a company at 165 years old may not have been dealing with for a while because they had these mature, great products and they're now learning how to be move really fast. And we're embedding that in the rest of the company, which is great as they talk to us and understand, you know, what worked for us. And I'll tell you, a lot of things didn't work for us. So we tell them, don't do it that way because that's not going to have a successful outcome. Well, and and how much of that do you think is down to, I mean, obviously your, your experience previously around, you know, PayPal and different organizations. I mean, product management and the orchestration of product management in that way 
it is is a very different thing, isn't it? You know, it's a very different thing for an organization to work in. You know, you talk earlier on around, well, actually, this isn't quite a checking account. It isn't quite a savings account. Well, that doesn't fit into a traditional PL structure or, uh, you know, who, so who's head of current accounts? No, that's not how this works, right? So, so, I mean, how much of that do you think is learning a, you know, with jobs to be done, with the thinking around product management, with that, you know, iterative uh, test and learn and understand, I mean, how much of that is 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 the most important thing? Uh, I'll tell you this. Every you know, I think about it now more more now uh, and more a little bit more reflective is everything I knew as a product manager coming from a company that had unlimited resources and everything that you could do in a very you know structured digital kind of company, and then coming into the the bank. It wasn't like it was different. It was just you had to learn how to do things with a lot less budget and you know a lot less smaller teams and things. And so I had to change myself to think about how do I take a a product that is maintenance mode. I think you know Jason, I like all this thing is about growing it by two percent and being more efficient and taking something that had a hundred million customers and maybe adding you know another twenty million. But it's all about keeping it up and running every day. That's a very different skill set um, than going into something that has nothing right like you're going to go from zero to one. And so every product understanding you have and other thing, you might as well throw that out the door and relearn. And so I've been learning that myself of how do you not only go from zero to one and um, remove some of your biases and thinking that you have the right answers because it, it works somewhere else out. That's been tough. I think the other one is um, they have allowed us to kind of build our whole organization um, differently than um, how the rest of the organization is built. And it's designed to build for speed right? Not scalability. And so we're now going through that. We had an organization that was built for speed that we were able to really go fast and build new products and experiment and have the ability to experiment and test things. Um, but now we're trying to figure out how do we create, what does the Millie team need to look like in the next two years as we scale and have maintenance problems and maintenance issues and, you know, things like that. And I think that's the learning curve that they're letting us figure that out ourselves. And I think if you're in an organization today and you're pitching this or you're in the middle of this, that's the thing you have to fight for is have the freedom to be able to build your organization, whether it's a product organization or engineering organization, in the way that that organization needs it to be built, not to conform to, you know, the existing models. And our company, First National Bank of Omaha, and the leadership has allowed us to do that. And I think that's what's what's making Millie successful today, where a lot of our peers, they're not with us anymore. You know, I, I, I was joking, uh, I have a desk of test accounts. It's a stack of debit cards is how I measure it. And I went through the other day and I was able or not able, unfortunately, I removed 20 debit cards because those don't, those companies don't longer exist. And I think a lot of it is because they lacked the support that we get with First National Bank. They didn't have those across all those things, both how we organize our organization, how we think about product development and execute those. And even how Mark uh, Bethany has uh, been able to really transform how we even market products. She has a lot of successful um, examples of how Millie has been allowed to do things at the traditional bank uh, or traditional banks, I should say, haven't been able to do. And she's pushed the needle on that for marketing as well. well and it's it's fascinating that, I mean, when you, and going to that point, Bethany, I mean, actually tone of voice and how you speak to the market and how you engage with the market, I mean that that is a big advantage of doing something new, but but obviously you you can get that balancing out. We always have that conversation about you know how much of the old organization, how much of the new organization, and you know is it powered by something or is it completely standalone? And and actually, there's different points in the journey where where the advantage is is different in that sense. But how, how have you found that? And obviously, I mean, you've come from uh, the parent organization as well. So uh, have you noticed a real difference in terms of both what you can do, but also the expectations of customers? 
Yeah, it's twofold. So I think the benefit of being a division of First National Bank of Omaha is the fact that the fabric of what they stand for, their involvement in the community and how long they've been around has really created the good, like good direction and good foundation to say we have an unwavering reputation amongst those who know our brand and know who we are and what we stand for. That reputation is unmovable and unshakable in the values that they represent. Um, Obviously, commitment to their community, respect for their customers, diving into how they actually show up in helping and putting the customer's needs in the forefront in the model that they have today. Uh, Those values, especially being a privately held family-owned bank, as well as making sure that those pieces are brought to the table, being located where we are today. There's Midwest values that resonate across the board, right? Rather than being a little bit more on the East Coast, West Coast approach, that it really is driving that long-term vision rather than short-term profitability gains. That easily translates over into the direction as far as where we show up and how we show up as Millie. But on the opposite end, the voice and tone definitely gets to lean into what we're trying to do and help our customers with. How do we actually meet them where they are? How do we sound appropriate and a little bit more, I'd say, tangible with them? And then really shaking it up from the standpoint that we try to stay away from typical banking jargon, right? It's very easy for all of us to dive into that, especially with the regulations, legal components. It's just a little easier to err on the side of, oh yeah, we'll uh, we'll call this for what it is um, and have our customers meet us where we are based on the requirements and processes that we have. With Millie, it's flipping that on its head to say, with all the interviews that we've had with customers, how have they talked about their banking relationships? How do they talk about their everyday spending and savings habits um, and just living life? Uh, So we really steer towards making sure that it's approachable and trustworthy and mentoring rather than just expecting the standard status quo. Give and take to that, right? We could enter into so many conversations on if customers are used to this, then why wouldn't you just repeat, rinse and wash? Um, But we are as a new brand entering the market having to position ourselves as a differentiator. And I think that's one of the hugest differentiators that we have. But that's the the fascinating thing, isn't it? That the the values that, that your bank had 100 years ago with a great local branch manager who met up with Steve and mm-hmm. spoke to Steve about little Tommy going to college and how are things going? And, oh, you know, I see that you want to buy a new combine harvester and let's look at the finances for it. All of that that service of the best mythical Midwest bank manager in the world is really what comes back around in digital because we moved away from that towards the the mass globalization and the modernization and industrialization of banking towards it being a form, computer says no, you know, here's your statement, here's your balance. We keep your money safe, we make transactions for you. But you know that that era of talking to you, Steve, about Little Tommy in the Combine Harvester, that's gone. We don't do that anymore. Whereas whereas digital in some way, you know, we often talk about this move from commodity products to intelligent services, but it is back towards that service. And that ultimately then the the values that you've had for however many generations 
come back around and, and line up so well with these new digital propositions. A hundred percent. Yeah. Couldn't say it any better from that one. I think, Jason, that's what we're trying to, you know, I talked to Bethany a lot of times. It's we're, you know, go back to the intelligent services part or, or you know, it's one of our pillars uh, in our product team. So I, you know, I said is everything we build has to, should be intelligent, right? I should be able to check with my product team and say, hey, the way you're doing that, is it built intelligent or you just you know, do it and it's done kind of checkbox. And one of the things that we're working through is now that we, you know, we have these things called jars and stuff. And and really the purpose of this is tangibly saying, why are you doing this? Is this for a vacation? Is this for a home? Is this for, you know, whatever you tell us. Capturing that data, capturing that personalization that they're creating, which is something they've never don't do today, you know, in their current relationships with their financial institutions. And working with Bethany and her team and, and our and our and our kind of our, our education team, as I call it, you know, in some cases, is how do we then take that stuff that they gave us and start sending them like, oh, you're buying a house. You told us you're buying a house. You created a jar for saving for your, your deposit. In some cases, you even put a picture of what your dream house looks like in, in our app, you know. Without giving you financial advice, because we don't know everyone's circumstances, we can still use those in services and that intelligent data and say, why don't we start sending you articles about buying a house? What we believe is the right things to do, 20% deposit, how you buy houses, how you you know find interest loans, whatever whatever that could be. And But if you're telling us you're buying us a car, we probably should trip that and be like, hey, you're buying a car. Let's send you what's the best way to buy a car. You know, We're trying to get there. So the first step was just capturing that data and putting it into a a database that's agile and in the cloud and all these technical things that really don't matter to the customer. But we know that that's what's going to allow us to actually take that information and scale education and personalization. So we're getting there. You know, I'll be amazed. I didn't believe how hard it would be just to build a bank. Like we all say that you guys have been doing it with us for a while. Just building a bank is, is quite difficult. And especially if you skip the, the, what I call the cheat sheets, right? So like when we started, we're like, Hey, just let's prove we can do this. Let's pre a prepaid card. We stayed on our prepaid model uh, because our leadership trusted us and believed in us so much. They were like, you know, why don't you just build the bank now? Uh, and we'll wait for you to do that versus show us that you can get a bunch of customers in a prepaid card model that really won't scale and isn't, the, you know, the, the, from a customer standpoint, the right thing to do. So we've had those abilities, but it also means that we had to build a bank from day one. And that's what we've done. And, and that's now what we've taken to market this year. And it's our customers are telling us we're meeting their goals, but they have so many other things they want us to do for them. And that's, I think, the hardest part right now is is the balancing the scalability of Millie, which is a great problem to have, with the let's not lose sight of our mission, right? Well, let's not lose sight of what we're trying to do, which is build something different and actually pause to figure out how we do what I call those delighters, right? Those things that customers aren't expected to get, but they do get with Millie, and that's what keeps them around. That's a really hard balance right now, especially when you're when you see the the growth from our core products. That's the challenge. That's going to be the challenge for the rest of this year for us is making sure that we still meet our customers' mission. Yeah. Well, let's um, take a, a very quick break and we'll be back to talk a little bit more about those challenges because, uh, as you say, building a bank sounds really easy, but it ain't that easy, is it? Hello and welcome, LFG people, to Fintech Insider. Watching Insider. 11FS Spotlight. 11FS Explores. Open mic night. After dark. <laughs> Through our podcasts, videos, newsletters, and live events, we have a direct line to a truly global fintech community. So if you're looking to sponsor and collaborate on content that connects with everybody from fintech beginners to the biggest VCs, then chat to our team at sponsors at 11fs.com or visit 11fs.com to find out more. Long live the community.
All right, so in this final part of the show, we want to take a little bit of a look at how Millibank came to fruition from the concept all the way through to the launch before we take a look at what you guys really think the future is going to be. I mean, this is a, this is a journey. It's uh, it's not the, uh, the, the necessarily the destination in that sense. But, I mean, we talked a little bit earlier on around, I mean, obviously you use jobs to be done methodology to get there. But, I mean, how did you go about that first phase? You know, what was the, what was the learnings there? I mean, Adrian, you, you talked a little bit about, uh, and I've had, this experience doing this with with other things that we've done, uh, there's almost a fascination from stakeholders to start with, isn't there? There's that, uh, what you're doing, like, and you're doing it how, like, you know, and it's it's interesting to sort of build that trust and that momentum in the process, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think Millie, you know, the thing. So, so a couple of things. I think you know, Millie is a great example of patience, right? And you guys were through this whole journey. So, you know, we have to go back to 2018. This started. Uh, November, December. I'm not sure. I, I got to go back to the exact emails. But 2018, uh, you guys came and, and we had a visit with the team that says, what, what is it we would want to do, right? And, and so our leadership team really thought about that for about seven months. It's really hard to sit there with this idea in your head and, you know, have to sit around for eight months. But they came around to us and they were always kind of talking to us about what their concerns are and, you know, what does this really mean? If we're going to do this, we really, really want to do this. But that's a big, that's a big risk. So they took about 18 months to very thoroughly think that, yes, we want to commit to this, which I give them a lot of credit for. They didn't, they didn't do it too quickly and then find out that's not what they wanted to do. But more importantly, they, once they said, we're going to do this, they were completely bought in at the top of the house. And so we 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 started and the company's name at the time and I think this you know is actually pretty good is Gen6 Ventures. So we created a separate company because we really thought we would be completely outside of the bank so that we could start from scratch. Um, and Gen6 Ventures was was an uh, was 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 mentioning that you know this is the sixth generation of ownership of our bank. And we were building something that we believe will take it to the next generation, right? This long journey to your guys's point. And that's important because it wasn't a project there was no set end date. There was no set time. They trusted Mark and myself and and and, and following 11FS to say, we don't know what you're going to go do, but we trust that you guys have the right goals in mind and the right purposes in mind. And we'll go through this journey with you for, you know, with it. So we started off with doing a lot of customer research, um, over 70 hour long one-on-one -on -one interviews with people across the country of all segments. We did a survey, um, a statistically valid survey with about 20,000 US Americans to talk about what do they care about financial services? We came up with about 20, it was like 14 was I think the number, we, 14 different things that Americans have problems with in their financial services. We boiled that down to three three jobs to be done. So that's where we started. So the first six months or three months of Millie's life was just talking to customers, validating the research and convincing our leaderships that we know what we're doing because we haven't had a product yet or a demo or a, a part. It was just customer data that says, we believe truly we know what our customers want. Uh, that allowed us to be green-lighted to go to the next six months, which is building the prototypes. So those jobs were helping somebody find their emergency fund, build their emergency fund, very simple. Helping people just save. I mean, we just talked to so many people like, I just don't know how to save, right? Like simply, I know I need to do it. I should do it. So that's a simple statement. And then the last one is just the anxiety that it creates with savings. So even if you want to save, you can't, there's a lot of things that come up. And so they just panic and they just stop doing it. So what Millie is today is really just the fruition of us taking, you know, three years to figure out how we solve those very, very, what I would think most people think are simple problems very difficult problems, right? Um, and that's how we built Millie from a product standpoint. Um, you know, we don't even like to talk about the product, really. It's just that from the goals of what it's trying to do is 
We believe these drawers and savings products and spending accounts, to your point, they're not checking. We call it spending because it's only for when you spend the money. And we have jars for when you want to save for a very specific thing. And we have savings for when you don't even know what you want to save for, right? Your emergency fund, you have no idea when you're going to spend it. You don't know how much you should have in it um, yet. So so we wanted to simplify that world. And that's what we're working now right now at the time. So that journey took us five years to get as we not only determine what the product we need to do and how we build that and use the learnings that you guys have from Starling and Monzo and a lot of the other UK competitors as the US was still catching up. And we saw our competitors jump right into this pond and think they have the answers. And uh, the things that I saw that they failed is we just took our existing checking account and put a new app on top of it. But it has all the restraints of your, in a sense, what your current checking account. Those, those didn't seem to work out, go figure. Um, we took the same structure and we just put some te- technology on top of it with cute emoji cons and, and you know widgets and, and things. Those didn't really seem to work out. Um, the thing that I believe in Millie is that we truly thought about it from the ground up, from the technology stack and how we built it. And now we're learning what we got right and got wrong for our customers. And a good example is this, is that we're dealing with today. In the United States, um, for those in the international market, you know, we have this savings product and those savings products have a lot of regulations about how they can be used. So when we build Millie, we said everything should just be a demand deposit, a checking account for all intents and purposes, because we don't want to limit our customers on how they want to use our products. You know, if you have a jar and you're using it for budgeting, you should be able to pay bills out of it and and, and centralize it. But that's got to be quite difficult, though, right, uh, in terms of. You know, I guess bringing it back to the go-to-market um, stuff. I mean, Bethany, you know, we've we've I guess tangentially brought up that you've got to now talk to clients about not the checking account because they can choose between checking accounts from a number of banking providers, but actually delivering something more, and that's not traditionally a bank's job. I mean, channeling that uh, that dark voice on my shoulder of the inner banker, they'd say, "Look, that's not it. Stay in your lane. Like, keep their money safe. Transact." protect the f- t- integrity of the financial system, stop financial crime, give them a card, that's it. Like, that's our job. Is is that how you see it? Or uh, how, how? what's the go-to-market for a, a services-driven financial services company? Absolutely. Uh, you hit the nail on the head, right? A lot of times it's just easy to take the existing model and say it's not broken, let's not fix it, let's not address it to a certain degree especially if we're not getting the feedback from customers today. The nod that I will give, I think, is everyone has actually come to the harsh realization that as an institution across the board, it's really important to make sure you get that feedback. But for the go-to-market strategy for a service-based organization, a lot of it is really diving into almost have the surprise and delight moments, right? The thing that's a little bit extra that you wouldn't anticipate or wouldn't expect. The one thing that I will say, just as a consumer coming into Millie, was the highlight of the fact that our spending product has a physical and virtual debit card. I looked at it and I was like, okay, I think I understand this to a certain degree, right? Like you have two different two different numbers in case one gets lost, extra secure, until you actually get into some moments where a colleague of mine was like, I never thought that this would come in so handy. I left my wallet at home. I was having to pay for parking downtown. I was able to access my Millie app and bring up my spending card and actually input and be able to move on with my life. And I would have never put those two things together without having a friction point or a piece that would have set me back in such a way. And it's those small things that you don't realize until you're in the moment 
that come to fruition that make it so easy to bring into the forefront for a service-based organization. So it's a lot of those real life scenarios that you look at where you may not realize it in the moment until you're actually in it. And you go, oh yeah, okay, this is how I can use Millie, or this is how this is different than what I would be stuck, almost stranded, if you will, um, if I didn't have those options. And what surprised you, I guess, in this journey? You know, you worked in the big bank, now you work here. Yeah. Like, it, it must be different, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, in the best way in both worlds. I would say the biggest thing that's uh, different is the fact that we truly work in synchrony. Um, just for the fact of, as Adrian put, six-week sprint cycles. As we're leaning into this, going from zero to one, now one to two, there are different pinpoints of evolution uh, throughout this entire process that if you don't stay laser focused in that and you try to apply a quarterly approach or a biannual approach, you're going to miss the mark on actually speaking to the customer in the way that's needed. Um, so it's a lot of testing and learning even in a go-to-market strategy bringing the voice and tone to the customer, bringing the message to the customer that actually benefits them to say, why should you care about Millie? How is Millie going to help you in your day-to-day -day life? And we have found through a lot of customer feedback and as more customers come into Millie, that changes and keeps evolving as we start to scale. Um, so if we were to operate in another way where it was quarterly, we would probably miss the mark on being able to pivot and respond to what we're actually getting real input on, uh, which is phenomenal. Mm. And yeah, I'd say the other thing too is just production, right? You guys face it as well where you dive in. And if you're able to actually test the message before you build out an entire campaign or build out an entire approach, it not only saves yourself time and energy, but it makes sure that you're actually showcasing to your consumers, we heard you we actually can help you and here's how. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, so much of this, I mean, between the the, the two of you and, and Adrian, you know, something that really always struck me uh, in the early days with you and, and Mark, I mean, something that's often missing from these types of internal challenger projects is strong co-founders. You know, and actually it's the thing that if you look at a, a fintech startup that often these things are, are delivered you know, really through sheer determination of the founders to make those things happen. Uh, I mean, you guys, that passion you've got for solving these problems, how have you kept that going over this period of time? Because it's not easy, right? And actually there are, you know, as much as, uh, I mean, you guys make it look easy, but it's not easy, right? Like it's uh, trials and tribulations of this process. So, I mean, how have you kept that fire burning and, and how have you... How have you managed to manifest that back into the organization in terms of that that um, that founder feeling? Yeah, no, it's a good thing. Um, well, one, I think it's like I said, support from our leaders makes it easy, easier, right? Like, like I truly believe that our leaders believed in us, and so you don't have that fear of this project that ends. What are you going to do? So I think that was the first. I think Mark and I just found the love of helping people with their financial lives. We came from two very different places, but we had a common common ground that we think we can do more for people and have that true intrinsic kind of goal. Uh, the other thing is, you know, I believe, and Mark and, and both believe Millie is more than just a product, right? Millie was never designed to be a product. We didn't start talking about the product till two years into this. But we really believe that First National was given us the ability to truly help people's financial lives. And me and him are very lucky. I, I was lucky and he was lucky to have, um, you know, a strong financial foundation and all those things. And we knew when we talked to people, they didn't have those things. So we didn't know how we would solve that problem. 
but Millie ended up being the, the way that we could contribute back. So it sounds all this, you know, big, you know, philosophical and things, but I think that's truly what great founders need is beyond just the thing or the product, but truly have something that they both care about. And I think Mark and I found that. And we've been lucky to bring in a lot of people uh, like Bethany who kind of share that same same thing. And we've been very selective in who we bring on to our organization that um, that help us with that vision. I think one thing I'm proud of is the people that have joined us since 11FS, you know, days or, you know, back when we kind of made our, build our own team to take over all of this. Um, you know, these people have, I've known for 10 years and I've worked with for 10 or 15 years in some cases, they trusted me. And so I was able to bring in people that I trusted that can truly take our mission forward without me having to be there every day. And I think allowing that and having a team like that is probably what makes us successful. They believe in me, I hope, uh, or that's what it seems like. And and I believe in them and I can, you know, f- focus on the bigger things. I think if you're a founder and you have to do everything every day and you don't have people around you that trust you, you're, you're going to fail. And, and I think our vision has allowed us to bring the right people on the team. Yeah. So so what comes next? What are Millie's future plans? Uh, great question. I mean, and from my standpoint, uh, we're continuing to uh, scale Millie and allow more people to take advantage of it and then really dive into uh, truly um, getting into the intelligent services and really feedback. Uh, so, so that's our goal from a product, right? Is just keep providing the value that we have today and not try to do too much. Uh, we don't need to do too much. We're lucky. Uh, let's just solve these first jobs to be done as best as we can. So, so that's our product vision for the rest of the you know, foreseeable future. It's all about what you say no to as well as what you say yes to, right? Yeah, I say no to a lot of stuff and and get more excited when I find out that I, you know we don't have to do other things that maybe our peers would have to do. And I'm like, oh, great. I don't have to build a credit product this moment because we have a great partner that will be able to take care great. Uh, that means I can focus on these, these jobs to be done even more. Uh, we get lucky in that in that phase. I, I guess just as a, a last question, because I mean, as you said, Bethany, we could talk about all of this for the next 10 hours, but uh, it would be turned into a bit of a marathon. But how, how much do you think, and obviously we, as with that strong you know, founder base, what we often find with these projects, Jason, is like it changes the aspiration of the parent organization when they see what a different approach to success really is. You know, we've sort of saw it with Mox and Standard Chartered or Metal with and NatWest. But, I mean, Bethany, Adrian, have you seen, I know you, you sort of mentioned Clark and the, you know, the, the team in, in, in FMBO. How much do you think it's changed the aspiration of what FMBO can do more broadly, having seen how much you guys have achieved in such a, a short period of time? Yeah, um, I would say just in the short time in general of where we were and where we are today, it's a constant give and take in conversation. There's been so many, so many moments of lunch and learns, if you will, or case studies of showcasing where we have miserably missed the mark and what not to do. Um, and then what has actually worked really well. And because of the integrated communication and approach, we've helped shepherd and steer things to completely avoid because we have been able to move so quickly because of partnerships, um, like with what we had with your team beforehand as well. It really helps share case and showcase those missed opportunities and risks. On the flip side, where we have had really great successes, it's allowed us to bring that into the forefront to say from a technology stack perspective, how do we start evolving and how do we start growing this instead of looking at it only as a product? How do we actually emerge this into a technology solution advancement um, with marketing and with the marketing's approach? what new methodologies are coming into play, especially from a mobile first marketing strategy, can that help expand and execute on um, for our 
for our parent division. So it's a lot of give and take in both worlds on what's worked and what hasn't. And I think as long as we continue to keep leaning into that, yeah, there's just win-win situations across the board for everybody involved. Fantastic. Well, it's uh, it's been amazing to see the the success. Been an amazing to to be a little bit of, bit of a part of that journey as well. So, but we better wrap up the discussion because uh, we'll definitely get you guys back to talk about more of it as uh, more of the uh, the capabilities unfold and the customer numbers go up. So, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, where can people learn a little bit more about you and all the great stuff that you're doing at Millie? Adrian, starting with you. Yeah. No. Come visit us at uh, Millie.bank and see what what all the excitement's about. Um, And that's a great place to start. Very good. Bethany, where can people learn more? Absolutely. Uh, Also, feel free to dive into the App Store or Google Play Store. Feel free to download it and check it out firsthand for yourself. Very cool. Mr. Bates? Uh, You can find me on LinkedIn. Same, lurking predominantly on LinkedIn this day these days. I, I don't even recognize the Twitter the app. The X. Yeah, I don't yeah. even recognize yeah. that anymore. Uh, <laughs> like Bethany, we could have had like a whole uh-huh. half an hour, an hour talking about rebranding, right? Marketing Absolutely. conversations. So we'll, we'll, we'll bring you back. All right, on that note, thank you so much for listening. If you like what you've heard, follow our podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review. It helps us make it better and helps other people find the show as well. As always, if you want to join in the conversation, you can find us on every social media channel at this stage, even the XE1. Uh, just search for 11FS and Fintech Insider, or if you really want to, you can email us on podcasts at 11FS.com. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye.